Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. This week on The Blueprint, it's all about decision-making. We are very fortunate to have one of the best on the topic joining us for three episodes. Annie Duke is an author, speaker, and decision-making strategist. As a former professional poker player, she has won more than $4 million in tournament poker. During her career, Annie won a World Series of Poker bracelet and is the only woman to have won the World Series of Poker Tournament of Champions and the NBC National Poker Heads Up Championship. She retired from the game in 2012, and prior to becoming a professional poker player, Annie was awarded a National Science Foundation Fellowship to study cognitive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. Today, we are discussing why quitting is a critical decision-making skill. Annie also explains why the best decision-makers quit sooner and the two factors working against you every time you make a decision. Annie's new book, Quit, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away, just came out last week and I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic and practical read and I put a link in the show notes, so go grab yourself a copy. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Annie, it's a pleasure to have you on The Blueprint. I'm really excited to talk about your book, Quit. It's a phenomenal concept, something that I think a lot of us need to be better at. But let's talk about that right now. Like, What is the value in quitting and why do you call it a decision skill? Yeah, so actually, if I had to choose one thing to skill people up in to make them better decision makers, it would actually be to make them better quitters. And the reason for that is consider the problem that we have as decision makers. When you make a decision, you have two things working against you, both of which have to do with uncertainty. The first is simply luck, right? Like you can know exactly every fact that you need in the world, be 100% certain about what the facts of the matter are. But when you make a decision for most of them, you don't actually have control over the outcome because it's pro- it's like probabilistic. So, you know, any time that I proceed through an intersection, there's some chance that I'm going to get in an accident, right? Even if it's not my fault. And I don't really have control over when the other cars are going to come and do that. If I hire someone, there's some chance they're going to work out, some chance they're not. And a lot of that is just due to luck. Think about the pandemic, right? Like, If you launched a restaurant right before the pandemic started, you couldn't know that a pandemic was around the corner and that's just a matter of luck. So after you make a decision, you have this influence of luck that can, you know, sort of veer things in a good way or veer things against you. And then the second issue is that when you're making decisions, you're making them mostly without all the facts. So for most things we, that we decide about, we know very little in comparison to all there is to be known. And we've all had that feeling, right? Of like, well, if I'd have known then what I know now, I would have made a different decision. And that's that feeling of like, when I make a decision, I, I don't know everything and, I, and you're going to discover new things along the way. So given that, quitting is such an important skill because when you do discover those new things along the way, it gives you the option to go and change course, right? So you make a decision, you have some sense, given the little that you know, that it's going to work out for you more often than it's not. But then you make the decision and sometimes you get new information, you find out things aren't going so well. 
quitting is the thing that allows us to then get off of that course, right? Once we find out that things aren't going well. And that's why it's such an incredibly important skill to develop. It's got such a negative connotations. I almost wish we could change the word itself. Like if you had a different word for quitting, what would it be? Quitting. (laughs) Like for actual, because we do have lots of euphemisms. We say like, you know, changing course, turning over a different leaf. The big one is pivot. Yeah. Right. Like pivot because we have such a negative feeling about quitting. If you think about just like, think about the words that are synonymous with grit, right? Like one of them is heroism stick-to-itiveness, perseverance. These are all things that are sort of positive qualities. And when you think about quitting, one of the synonyms is literally cowardice, right? We think about people vacillating or being wishy-washy or waffling or wussing out or, you know, being unreliable. You know, it's like, we don't think about it positively. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some negative words for you know, grit, like rigidity would be one of those, it being inflexible. And there aren't some good words for quit, like being flexible or agile. But mostly we think about the people who gritted out as heroes and the people who quit as cowards, as weak-willed, as if they have a character flaw. And you can see that even like, think about People who climb Everest, right? Right. Are you familiar with Into Thin Air, the John Krakauer book? Yeah, phenomenal. Right. So the people who are, in a lot of sense, the heroes of that book, right? The ones that we remember are the ones that continued to the top of the mountain, who got to the summit. People like Rob Hall and Doug Hansen, who actually perished at the top of the mountain. Those are the people we remember, the ones who continued on in these horrible circumstances, right? But what's really interesting is that There's three people, Stuart Hutchinson, John Tasky, and Luke Kosicki, and they're climbing up Everest. And it turns out that every day when you climb up Everest, there's a turnaround time. So what's a turnaround time? It's well, on that day's climb, it basically says if you're not to a particular point by a certain time, you have to turn around. And it's meant to keep the climber safe because most of the dangers on Everest are on the descent. Mm. And the thing that you don't want to do is descend in darkness. And so these turnaround times are meant to keep you out of trouble on the way down when darkness falls. And so they have turnaround times for every climb because you have to start from base camp and go to camp one and then camp one to camp two, camp two to camp three, three to four, and then four is summit day. So these three climbers, Hutchinson, Tasky, and Kasitsky, They leave at midnight on summit day and it's like the super slow crowded day on the mountain. Cause you know, like these expeditions have gotten super popular. There's a lot Um, of people doing it. Right. And so it's just slow going, super slow going. And so their expedition leader who has set the turnaround time that day for 1 PM. And that's to stop you from descending across something called the Southeast Ridge in darkness. And it's very dangerous and you need to have daylight when you're on that because it's like, uh, you'll fall 8,000 feet into Nepal or 12,000 feet into Tibet, neither of which I assume you want yeah, to do. not good outcomes. <laughs> no. So he set the turnaround for 1 p.m. The expedition leader had been behind him and comes up to them. And Hutchinson asked the expedition leader, you know, well, how long do you think it's going to be for the summit from here? Because it seemed like things were going slow. And the expedition leader says, we're about three hours from the summit. And then he continues on. Hutchinson holds Taske and Kasitsky back and says, hold on a second, it's already almost 1130 in the morning. If it's three hours to the summit, we're going to arrive at the summit at 230. That's an hour and a half past the turnaround time. It seems to me we ought to turn around now. 
So there's a little bit of discussion, but the three of them decide to turn around. So they quit, right? Like they quit. They just abandoned their summit attempt. Now, I assume you don't know who these people are. I certainly didn't know who these people are until I started researching it for my book. But it turns out that these three people who just turned around and quit were on that same expedition that we remember from Into Thin Air. They were in fact, part of Rob Hall's expedition. And Rob Hall is the one who told them that it was going to be three hours until the summit. Okay, so you may be asking yourself, like, well, I read that book. Why didn't Krakauer talk about them? Because I read that book too, right? Why didn't he talk about them? Because it's not did. like the f- fantastic, you know what I'm saying? It's not like the, right. oh, they're the it's heroes. It's not the, the stuff story. movies are made of. But here's right. the amazing thing. They actually are in the book oh. quite, quite prominently. And Krakauer just, you know, talks about them as sort of the best decision makers on the mountain that day. Uh, They're not just in the book. They're also in the documentary. But you don't remember them. And I didn't remember them. Why? Because quitters are just like quitters are, you know, winners never quit. Quitters never win. Like, why would you remember them? The hero of the story is, you know, Rob Hall, who gets up to the mountain at two at the summit at two and then waits for Doug Hansen, both of whom perish. When they had, not only did they have the same information that Hutchinson, Tasky, and Kasitsky did, but Rob Hall is the one who set the turnaround time. Think about that. So I think this is a good example of like the best that you get out of the people who quit is that they're invisible, which I think these three are. The worst that you get is, you know, you're a quitter, right? Like you're labeled. Right. You get labeled a quitter, which is like a horrible thing to do. But what we can see from like this Everest story is exactly what I was talking about, about decision making under uncertainty. When you set up on the summit day, you don't know how slow it's going to be. You don't know if a snowstorm is going to come in. You don't know if a fog is going to roll in or if the snow is going to be good climbing conditions or if there's going to be incompetent climbers in front of you. You don't know any of that stuff. But as you're going up the mountain, you discover those things. As Hutchinson, Tasky, and Kasitsky did, what they discovered was, man, these people in front of us are really slow. It's already 1130 and we're never going to make it to the summit by one. And once you discover those things, exercising that option to quit is so incredibly important to great decision making. And in this case, it's actually life or death decision making, right? And the thing that you need to understand is that every person on the mountain did not turn around even having the same information. And that's why I say, I wish I could really skill people up on quitting as a skill, as a decision skill, because it's hard. Like Rob Hall, who was an elite alpinist, he didn't make that decision. Most of the people didn't make that decision because it's unusual. It's hard to do that in the face of the summit when you're like that close to actually abandon course is like cognitively just tough. I I love this because the hero of the story is the person that persevered, but oftentimes perseverance leads us to a place that's really not good. You're either well, dead, exactly right. financially sunk, or in the yep. the world that you were in before, you have nothing left. You know what I'm saying? And that's so exactly right. I get an Go unsettled ahead. feeling even just thinking about quitting, but often it's the wisest decision. Well, that's right. And you know, one of the things that I think is really important for people to realize is that. Kind of to your point, you know, often when we get to the decision, it's like we're already in financial ruin. Mm -hmm. Things are already really, really bad. And that goes back to this kind of decision making under uncertainty problem, because when you make that initial decision to start something, you know, there's the, you know, luck can intervene, but there's also hidden information. But when you're making the decision to quit something, there's also uncertainty. It's the same uncertainty. And so the problem is for most things, when you quit, you don't know how it would have turned out. Like maybe if I had just kept going, I would have made it to the summit. 
just fine and turned around, you know, maybe if I just given it one more try, like my relationship would have gone better. Or Mm -hmm. maybe if I have that sit down with my boss, or I just try harder, whatever that I can make this job work out, or whatever it might be, right? Like, it's really, really hard to abandon course, because when you abandon course, you're denying yourself the opportunity to know how it would have turned out. And I think that those what ifs are like, incredibly painful for us. So what that results in is that when we finally get to the decision to quit, it's usually because it's no longer a choice, right? So if you're already at the top of the mountain and the snowstorm has already come in, you don't really have a choice at that point, but to turn around summit or not, right? And the way that I say is when you already have fallen into the crevasse, like, you know, you should have turned around, right? right? Even if you're at the edge of the abyss, right? And about to step into it you know you should have turned around. But the right time to quit is actually long before that, before you're in financial ruin, before you're stuck in dead end and toxic relationship for years longer than you should have stayed in it. And I think that we can see that we do that to ourselves where we have to have so much certainty to quit that we can sort of like say to ourselves, almost like to self-soothe or to say to other people, what could I do? I didn't have a choice, right? Because we think of quitting as so negative. We want people to know that we didn't have a choice. But let me ask you this, Eric. When was the last time you quit something? When you didn't say after you had done it, man, you know what? I really should have done that like six months earlier. Oh, I can think of one time, but only like one time really sticks out. I think the point of this exercise is there's very few times that this ever happens. I think when I quit my, I don't say I transitioned, but I I did. I quit sports. I left sports. Thank you for saying quit instead of transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I quit sports and moved into technology. At that point, I started seeing like, okay, okay, this is where I need to go. And it was hard. I mean, people were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm walking away from this. I'm going in another direction. But yeah, usually most of the time it's, you're making this decision, looking back and you're like, well, I don't have any money left. I'm an emotional wreck. I wish I would have done this. And I guess that's where it comes to reading the signals. Mm -hmm. And I would like to talk about that in our next episode, if that's all right. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Annie, please do me a favor and take a screenshot of the cover art on your phone and post it on social media. Please tag me and her and tell us what your favorite part of the episode was. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.